The Redskins pick another Alabama defensive player in the draft. The postseason horror show may have begun for the Caps and Wizards if it hasn't been going on already. Welcome back to the DMV Sports Roundtable. It's Friday, April 27th. I give that date so you know Wizards-Raptors Game 6 is in a few hours. Caps-Pens Game 2 is Sunday. We've got Jamal and George. I'm Dimitri. And on Skype with us, Chris Chase of USA Today Sports Media Group. So guys, the Skins picked Alabama defensive lineman Deron Payne. What do you guys think about that pick? I thought Doug Williams said best player available. He did, but yeah, uh, you he know, did. But at, at at that spot, I have no problem. Let me preface by saying this: the pick is great. I love the pick. But with that being said, with Derwin James and Edmonds on the board at the same time, he was not the best player available. Yeah, he but, was the best at his position. Yeah. If you're going by need, that's fine. I don't, you know, I'm not nitpicking the pick. That's the thing. They always say best DPA. player. They always play best player available, but then if you have a best player. I mean, player, to them, you know, I don't know their board. Who's at their spot. And look, Saquon Barkley went second. So now you got Barkley, Zico Elliott, and then you got the Philly. The, the Philly talking about Philly has interest in guys. So, so the God forbid they get him. You had to go and, and get somebody. I to think they got shook a little middle. bit when Vetavia went. 12 and got snatched up by the Bucks. I think if he's still there 13, I think he's your pick instead of uh, Payne. Depending on how they had it ranked, I have Via a little bit ahead of Payne. They won A, one B. They're they're both the best D linemen, you know, in the draft, first round caliber. But with maybe you need Edmonds, maybe you don't. But if it's BPA, Derwin James is, I mean, he does a lot. They were talking on TV about him, like almost like a Sean Taylor type. Yeah, you know, and someone on, on Twitter did make the point that maybe it's a good thing that he didn't come here because he would draw those sort of have that sort of pressure. Yeah, and you never that never works out. How many? Where's Harold Miner? How many people was called Baby Jordan and <laughs> didn't work wow. out? Where are oh, those man. guys? Richard Dumas? Where is he? Anytime you get look, and the only reason I have a problem with it too is you know you come from a program like Alabama, right? Proven, and you got. Uh, anytime you get guys up front, all you have to do is look at the numbers. Rank thirty right. second against the run. If if we're stockpiling players from a certain school, Alabama, I'm all in for that. You can have the whole defense can be Alabama, Alabama for all I care. You got three, that's fine. He's played. Yeah, it's better than Alabama. those years where they tried to draft Clemson guys all the time. Right. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that didn't take, work out. Wait, Rod and Gardner, that was before, and that was Gardner, before did, Clemson was good. Rod Gardner so. didn't work out. No. <laughs> Half the people yeah, you know, listening just don't know who the hell Rob Gardner is. In terms of pain, I mean, I, I agree. If you're going to get someone, get a Nick Saban guy. Uh, maybe it was Vita Via that Washington wanted, but they were quick with the pick after him to go with the Ron Payne. They mm-hmm. stayed in the same position. Now, the look, no one knows, no one knows anything about anything one day after the draft. This is why, if you look back at drafts passed, you'll find about 50-50 between complete and total busts and then productive NFL players. And then it's probably about 10% of guys who are going to be all pros, pro bowlers consistently, 5% Hall of Fame. So we're talking, you know, it's a hard thing to project. So today to sit here and say, well, I I like Payne because he's better against the run, but V is a better pass, uh, you know, third down, uh, pass down, uh, you know, pusher in the middle. Okay, fine. What the key for the Redskins is, and this is something they hadn't done in the past, is they addressed the need. They didn't go for the the stereotypical best player on the board, which is usually code for we're taking a guy who we don't need, but we think is so good that we can't pass up. And that's usually when you hear teams say, well, you know, teams that desperately need a quarterback or a wide receiver that take a safety, they say, well, he was the best player on our board. And that's how you defend yourself against accusations that you are not picking for need. The Redskins picked for need, and we'll see whether or not Allen and Payne are able to stuff the run in the middle. And if Payne can be a guy who can play on third down and can sort of push the uh, push the scrum toward the quarterback, then he's going to be a great pick. But we're not going to know for two, three, four years how t- how last night will affect the Redskins long term. If he can make an impact like Allen did last year in the limited time, yeah, I think then I think that's a win. And along with Ioannidis, because Ioannidis before getting hurt, was pretty damn. Even yeah. when he came back, he was pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. And those two, all they needed was someone disruptive in between them. 
we couldn't get that with you know Ziggy and and McGee and the guys that Terrell. they you know they rolled in and out. I think he's is this, if you get him the way he played in the championship game against Clemson. Yeah, that's a disruptor. Mm-hmm. You know, he was in the backfield before. You know, they damn near before they snapped the ball. If he can play like that week in and week out, then it's great. I think the advantage that uh, he had is that, like Chris said, can he play three downs? Yeah, the did knock on Villa was yeah. like maybe he's a two down guy, and they don't like to take teams that don't like to take two down guys right. that early. But some somebody like him is just a massive human being. And just throws offensive linemen around like rag dolls. Three hundred forty-seven pounds, and can it's move nuts. Yeah, he can move. But yeah, it's where do you think they go tonight? Is is this a a must, a running back must sort of pick tonight, or another defensive player? I don't think it's a must running back. I think if somebody's there they like him, that's a running back, they'll take him. But I think mm. you could also go. Uh, like if if Geis is there or Jones is there, but you could also you know Josh Jackson could be there, the cornerback. I yeah. could see him going there. I mean, you know what? I have no problem with them stockpiling defensive guys. I wouldn't. Even I if, agree. If yeah. we yeah. lucked up and got Landry from from uh, Boston College, it's yeah. Russia. Yeah, take Her- him. Yeah. Harold Landry. Yeah. Take him. It, especially with running backs. I mean, like running backs fell out of vogue for a couple of years, and you didn't have guys go in the top ten, top twenty. Now with Todd Gurley a couple of years ago and Saquon Barkley number two, mm-hmm. that sort of changed. People are realizing the value of having a great runner, even if the shelf life is uh, a lot shorter than other guys. But the other way you look at running backs is last year you had Alvin Kamara go to the Saints and just blow up there. 67th pick, second round, right. uh, end of the second round. Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt yeah. offensive player, of the uh, offensive rookie of the year. Number 86, third round to the Chiefs. So there are guys that are going to be there, not just second round, but third, fourth, fifth. I mean, Alfred Morris was a sixth round pick and and came in and broke franchise records with the Redskins. So there's time to pick a running back. If they have a guy they love, like if Sony Michelle had, jo- had dropped or right. uh, fell to them, then maybe you, you take a guy. But I don't think you reach for a running back. In the second round, I think you might wait for one to fall to you in the third and the fourth. And by this point in the draft, the Redskins should have a guy they're in love with, a guy who's not a top prospect, a guy who might be on the fringe of the top 10 or the running back position that they're looking at, that they've scouted, that they think is great for their system. And that's when you sort of wait on him and try to get him later in the draft. Problem is we don't have a third round pick anymore. So it's there's only there's three running backs that I would take in the second round. That's Geis. Chubb and um, in Jones. Jones. After that, we don't have a third round pick. So some of the other guys like Ballage and and um, Royce Freeman, Carryon Johnson may be gone by the time we come back in the fourth round. Because at some point, that's one of the deepest uh, positions in this draft. At some point, there's going to be a run on them. And if it happens in the third round, we're just you know we're SOL at that point. For those that know what that means. Can't say the words on this air. <laughs> well, you probably could if you wanted to. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not going to press my luck. I'm not going to press my luck. But yeah, Jones would, would would be a nice pick. I think Geis probably Geis Landry and Will Hernandez is, that's the is guy. somebody that's that the, we had to talk about. Name was Will Hernandez? If Will Hernandez it. is there, and you put him, you got him on the left, Sheriff on the right, because yeah. whoever you have behind them is going to gain yards. I forgot that's because he's he's, he's nasty. He's a road grader. He moves people, and that's what you need. You team him up with Sheriff. I, I have faith that Rulier will will be pretty good at center. He, he's young, also. You do? I think he's. I think he'll be all right. Be I'm, right. I'm cautiously optimistic. Okay. I'm not going to jump all in. That's fair. Because you know he hasn't been a starter for a complete season, so right. I really don't know. They like him though. Yeah, they 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 like him. He's played well. You know when he's been out there. So hopefully, but having having two big guards like that will help him a lot. Mm-hmm. And what what he does, he doesn't have to take on so much. But yeah, if Hernandez is there, I think you snatch him too. What do you guys think about what else happened in the first round? Like uh, the Giants were so bad last year. Cleveland does, does, is out yeah. of their damn mind. You didn't think Baker Mayfield was the right? Uh... If I'm picking, if I got two picks, and this is not taking anything away from Denzel Ward because he's a very good corner, but I'm just thinking if I have two picks in the top five, I'm coming away with Ward and. Possibly Manziel Jr. I don't want to put that on. Let me say that. But those two, I just think you could have did a little better. 
You want to I take mean, a punter and a kicker? No. <laughs> your specialist gets your specialist. It's Cleveland. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they did something like that. But, yeah, but you know what? Look what the Broncos did with Chubb right after the fourth pick. You book in him with Vaughn Miller. You could have that in Cleveland with Miles Garrett on one side, Chubb on the other side. It's almost like Embiid, possibly like Embiid and Simmons. You've got these two young pass rushers for the next 10 whatever years right. that can develop and grow together. I don't. Why wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, they they address corner in uh, in free agency. They got some decent corners over there. They picked up. They weren't. Yeah. But uh, who else is on there? Pat Russell the passer. It's just miles, and that's it. You. you but they, you I mean, you know, they they have Garrett, and if you're the Browns, stockpiling at one position and trying to uh, overload teams that way is fine. But you have so many needs right. that I think addressing cornerback was totally fine, especially if you know you're mixed on Chubb like I was. I think he's going to be a fine player. Mm. I think Denver. He has to be thrilled going to Denver because yes, yeah. it's obviously a much better defense, and much better Shane coaching. Ray over there also, he, yeah. he, he can fit in with Von Miller and the other guys in defense. That's a great pick mm-hmm. for them. But as for Mayfield, I loved the pick. Absolutely <laughs> loved it. Okay. Mayfield, he's like, an acquired taste. I mean, the Manziel comparison is fair when it comes to sort of the on-field moxie and what he does. Yeah, that's more of a uh, joke. I'm not saying, I'm not saying Jamal called him it, but no, you know, no, no. people are saying that he's like Manziel, but he's not like Manziel off the field. No. Yeah, he had uh, the incident with the cops. Yeah, he's a brash guy. But I don't know. If you looked at the other quarterbacks, you look at Josh Allen, you look at Josh Rosen, maybe Rosen is, is not in this uh, conversation, and you look at Sam Darnold, and you get these guys who just seem like blah quarterbacks who aren't going to go into a locker room and take over and yeah. be the guy that yeah. you need to lead a team. True. I like going with Mayfield. I love the fact that the Browns bucked conventional wisdom. It was always going to be Darnold. It was always going to be Josh Allen. And teams, I think, sometimes buy into these mock drafts and what people Mm -hmm. are saying, and they start to believe the hype of everybody else, and they don't think for themselves. The Browns have not been great at thinking for themselves, but I like the fact that they did in this circumstance. It shows that they have some, you know, scouting that's not the same as everybody else's. They're not going to just fall into line like they've done in the past. It's a different Cleveland Browns. Does that mean Baker Mayfield's going to be the next Bernie Kosar? I have no idea. Maybe he's the next Tim Couch, but I think it's going to be fun to watch. (laughs) And I do like having Ward on the other side because now you have Garrett and Ward. You have two guys Uh in the secondary and on the line. And I think that's just a a way to build a team when you have two draft picks in the top four. And they have three in the second round, right? Yeah. They've got plenty of picks. And the thing about the Mayfield pick that I do like about it, that is kind of smart about it, you have Tyrod Taylor also. He doesn't. He doesn't oh, yeah. have to. He That's doesn't right. have to start right away if they don't feel he's ready. They've named Tyrod the, the, the starter, but they always do that. Yeah. But you have a bridge quarterback. If if Mayfield, by the time the season starts or whatever, he's not ready to take over the reins, then you know you have Tyrod Taylor, the one quarterback that needs to be scared to death of Joe Flacco. Right. If Joe Flacco or, or does, Robert Griffin the third, whatever I worry about him, he make the fifty three and. It, not That's what I'm saying. It. He may not make the 53. He, I don't care about him. Just <laughs> saying. Nah. You're saying Lamar is going to breathe yeah, down his nobody, neck. He's nobody gonna... talking about Robert. But I'm saying I think Lamar would make this team over Griffin. Right. I, mean, but, I, mean, I, I can I mean, see Griffin being he, left out is what I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he's we're, gone. We're and Flacco's gone, too, after next year. Yeah. yeah. Flacco, has, Flacco has no guaranteed money coming to him after this season. Is that what it is? Yeah. He, yeah. He's if, gone. If he I mean, gets hurt. Mark it down. Unless he wins the Super Bowl, yeah. he is absolutely gone from Baltimore. Lamar Jackson's the yeah. quarterback of the future. Yeah. And, you know, with aging Alex Smith here in Washington, uh, it might be another circumstance of us looking north and seeing a, you know, dynamic player on the field. Not mm-hmm. necessarily. We haven't seen it at quarterback in Baltimore in a long time, but we've seen it on their defense. Uh, this could be a, a jealousy-inducing pick in Washington <laughs> because I love Jackson. I think that was a great pick by the Ravens to trade back up into uh-huh. the first round yeah. to get him. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's one of these things that we're going to watch him for a long time and wonder how on earth he fell to number 32. Ozzy's last last stand. Yeah, and he's the type of player. That's why I say Flacco needs to stay healthy. Yeah. Because, and we all know that probably won't happen. If he lets Jackson step on that field, he's got the type of talent that 
once you let him step on the field, yeah. you'll be hard-pressed to find and a reason to take him off. He, yeah. Once he gets on there, that's it. It's over. Joe might be done halfway through this season, maybe earlier, depending on if his brittle bones can hold up past a bye week. But if Jackson gets on that field and they cater the offense to his strengths, like what Shanahan did yeah, with, with, with Robert Griffin. Yeah. Can't call him RG3. He's, he died in 2012. It's Robert Griffin now. It's Bob. Bobby Three Sticks. <laughs> Bobby Three Sticks. Um, one thing that I uh, heard about and read about a little bit is a different opinion about Lamar Jackson, that he'll be great, but he's a project. So maybe you shouldn't be talking in terms of one year, more like two or three years. I'm it, sure you guys have heard that, too. Yeah, it, it really also depends on how you develop him in the system. You know, we took – Shanahan took Robert and – made the offense to cater his strengths. The stuff that he got exposed and couldn't do when Gruden got here, he couldn't do when he stepped foot in Ashburn day one. Right. But you have to be able to, you know, do things to their strengths, kind of develop them piece by piece. Because he's got a lot of things that he can do. He, and he does have a lot of deficiencies right now. But you can work with that. I don't know if it's going to take two or three years. You know, like Chris said, Flacco is probably out of here, you know, after this season, and then you got to give him the reins. It'll be interesting. I think Pat Mahomes is kind of in the same situation in Kansas City. You know, he's got things that he doesn't do everything that Alex Smith does, but he's got a different sort of skill set. So Andy Reid is going to have to cater the offense to fit his skill set so he can be successful. Gruden didn't do that with Robert. He said, "You get in my system, my system, and you do what I tell you to do. Mm-hmm. I want you to drop back. You drop back." Who's it? Oh, Marty Morningweg, right? Is there their offense coordinator? No, no, I'm sorry. Oh, Baltimore? That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, Chris yeah. It's morning morning. So he's going to work with... Listen, here's the other thing. Harbaugh may not be there. That's true. You, you know what? If you look at it, you look at Flacco, you look at Robert, and you look at Lamar Jackson. If you're Flacco, you're looking at these two quarterbacks with a totally different skill set than what he has. And it, it begs the question... Is Baltimore going in a different direction than what they want to do with their offense? They yeah. want a mobile quarterback with a strong arm. Flacco's got a, a decent uh, deep ball. He's not mobile at all. But you've got two backups behind him. Robert is not what he used to be, but they're mobile. Mm-hmm. They can throw the ball. Are we going in a different direction offensively in the future of the Ravens? But there's a big difference between, uh, I mean, you know, Peak Robert Griffin the third, let's say. Oh yeah. Uh, peak peak Michael Vick. Peak uh, you know guys that that look to run. Lamar Jackson is not a run first quarterback, mm-hmm. and I, I think that there's you know Pete there's these uh, impressions of him out there that he is a guy who's going to look to run immediately. And why he was so good at Louisville is that he didn't. He dropped back. He was pass first, and he ran when he had to. Very much like Aaron Rodgers does. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't get a lot of credit for his speed and his agility, but he's an athletic guy who gets into the open field a lot, but only when the pass rush breaks down, only when there's a coverage sack down the field. He only runs when he needs to. And I think that's the why I like Jackson so much is that he knows, you know, he just inherently knows the position of quarterback. And he did play that pro-style offense in Louisville. So I, I don't think it's going to be too much of a jump, but it was huge for him to go to Baltimore or if it had been New England, which a lot of people thought maybe right. Bill Belichick would take him to so he could be the uh, heir apparent to Tom Brady. But those two teams are, were huge for him to go to because at least now they say they have no plans on trying to turn him into a different position, mm-hmm. which was Lamar Jackson's. It was a big deal. And this, you know, he a lot of controversy with him because his mother's his representation. Right. He has no agent. And there was no one out there sort of supporting him saying, no, he's not going to go to receiver. He's not going to change positions, not going to be an H back or whatnot. So it, it's huge that Morningwig today came out and said he's a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Things change in the NFL. We all know that. So maybe it'll be different later. But it looks like the Ravens are committed to him as a quarterback. And just with the way everything's going and like I said with the, the Flacco contract being essentially done after this year uh, it really could be Lamar Jackson time in Baltimore I, th- I think for any Ravens fan that has to be exciting I think that's probably the most exciting uh, thing that any team uh, had last night was was Jackson being your guy I mean if you're the Jets and you're you know you're excited about uh, Darnold coming great but uh, give me Jackson any day yeah and if I'm Pittsburgh if I'm uh the Bengals, Cleveland's defense, 
I'm scared because that's not a player that you want to see. Like when we used to play Mike Vick, and I'm not making the comparison because I agree with you 100%. He is not run first. He's You mentioned Aaron Rodgers. I also put Russell Wilson in that category. When things break down, then they use their legs. But uh, Lamar Jackson is, is, is not a Michael Vick, and he's not a, a Robert Griffin III in 2012. But when we used to play Vick in his prime, scared to death. Because mm-hmm. he's, he can do, he could do so many things, and he puts your defense on the heels. You don't know when he's going to take off, or or you know things like that. So Lamar Jackson, he oh, excuse me, lost my thought. Lamar Jackson, he gives you a lot to think about as a defensive coordinator. Like you said, Chris, he's patient in the pocket. Last year, he played under center. Probably is that the first time he played under center at Louisville? Yeah. So now he's he's getting comfortable with that. You learn behind Flacco. He's got a hell of an arm. And when things break down, he doesn't panic like Kirk Cousins. He gets very creative, and he makes plays happen. And he, and he keeps the play alive. But yeah, like, I mean, he was a victim of what happens to so many, and, and it's mainly quarterbacks, but it happens to every position. He's a guy that could have come out last year, had a brilliant year, won the Heisman in 2016. He mm-hmm. could have come out and been one of the top five picks in the draft, decided to stay in school, and then he gets picked apart by every single scout because what do they have to do for you know a year after the 2017 draft? They just look at tape and they start picking and picking and picking, and we've seen it happen so many times. I mean, it almost happened so badly that Peyton Manning, who was the most surefire number one pick in history for you know five years before he uh, hit the draft, he, you know, th- there was a moment when the Colts thought about taking Ryan Leaf because they had picked Manning apart so bad. So a guy like Jackson, uh, you know, he's he comes in and, and I think that he's just been so scrutinized that it's difficult to get a read on him. Everyone has an opinion on him uh, and everyone thinks that, oh, he didn't win the Heisman in 2017. Oh, Mayfield won. Uh, Jackson must have been you know, terrible. He must have had a follow up year that, that wasn't as good. He had a great 2017, actually. His team wasn't as good, but he was just as good as he was when he won the Heisman. So uh, I do have I am laughing because we have five quarterbacks taken last night. Four in the top ten, which is the first time that's ever happened. And here we are talking about the fifth quarterback taking number 32. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I think it would be a great story if uh, if the guy who didn't get in the top ten could be the uh, the best of that class, sort of like Marino did in 1983 in the last QB class uh, that the, uh, the, the Hall of Fame QB class, as they call it. I think he's got the highest ceiling out of all of them and could end up being the biggest star out of all of them. I'm not – um, Allen was never sold on him. He's got the measurables in terms of what you want in size and arm strength. But when you look at his game and you look at his, his accuracy is horrible. Absolutely horrid. So he doesn't need to be a starter right away either. Rosen's got his issues, precision passer. But I just think that all the tools that Lamar Jackson has, and as he improves as a quarterback with the, with the NFL IQ and being able to play under center and be more comfortable with that, this guy has the limit. He's got the highest ceiling out of all of them. And then Mason Rudolph's still out there somewhere. Well, I had actually directed you guys to round one because I wanted to talk about Saquon Barkley a little more than you already have. Oh, yeah. Does he suddenly turn the Giants into world beaters again? I mean, they were so terrible no, last he, year. No, he doesn't turn them around right away because they still have to. He's not going to go anywhere if they don't address that offensive line. Flowers and company were absolutely horrible last year. Got Eli beat up. They had no semblance of a run game whatsoever. He gives them an edge. You know, he gives them an extra weapon to take some pressure off of Eli and add to uh, what they already have in uh, Ingram and, of course, Odell Beckham and and Sterling. But, yeah, no, unless they they add some piece on their offensive line. And they, they did that by getting Nate Solder. From uh from the Patriots to left tackle to start rebuilding that line, but you can have anybody you want back there. If you have nobody to block, they're not going to do much. But yes, it, it having to see him and Zeke for the next ten years this does not make me feel good no, at all. It's nothing to jump up and, and down I was, about. Damn it, Cleveland! You could have did us a favor and took Saquon <laughs> number one. That's what I was hoping for, but but then I was putting my faith in the Browns. So. Yeah, these things. I mean, these things have a way of quickly changing. We thought, you know, five, six years ago, 
You looked at Des Bryant and you said, mm. oh, my gosh, they're going to have to play Des Bryant for the right. next 12 years. He's going to have 180 yards a game, every Cowboys Redskins game. And now Des Bryant's gone from the Cowboys. You know, things things change quickly. I like the pick for New York. I don't think it was necessarily the right pick, but I think it's going to work out OK because you have. Eli returning, theoretically healthy. You mm. have Solder on the offensive line. You have Beckham coming back with some other receivers. Losing Beckham was just huge last year for the right. Giants. They had nothing, no sort of offensive spark. Without a deep threat, they couldn't uh, even, you know, fake like they weren't, you know, e- even try to get guys out of the box so they could run. Uh, Beckham's going to stretch the field a bit. I think the Giants win the NFC East next year. Whoa. Six times in the past seven years, All right. a team has gone worst to first in the NFC East. Last year, okay. I, I called Philly. I uh, First time in history I've ever had a correct Super Bowl prediction. <laughs> I, predict, I predicted Philly to win the Super Bowl. I think the Giants do win the NFC East this year All just right. because the league is so cyclical. And just the way that these bounces go and the way that luck works out, it's like uh, you know the famous stat in baseball, batting average on balls in, uh, in play. You can hit the ball hard, but if they're not falling, then you're going to act like you're having a bad year. Bryce Harper's going through that right now. I think the Giants last year and their equivalent, just every little thing that went wrong for the Giants last year went wrong. And every little thing that the Eagles could possibly go right went right, even losing their franchise quarterback, which ended up being something that helped propel them to the Super Bowl. Not saying it was, you know, Wentz is worse than Foles, but undeniably that was a catalyst for them going to the Super Bowl. So, you know, when things break for you that way, it's huge. The Giants with Barkley, it's it seems like he's going to have to be sort of a Barry Sanders and and create his own holes because mm. uh, it's not going to be like he's running behind the hogs. But you can just already envision him. Uh, you know, he's different style than Tiki Barber. But, you know, Tiki Barber, just every time the Redskins played him, 110 yards, two touchdowns. You can see the same thing happening with Barkley. I agree. Barkley and Elliott for a quarter of the season, you know, oh, four oh, out of the 16 brutal. games are against those guys. Terrible. That's not going to be fun. And then, you know, two more against the Eagles offense in general. That's Six of 16 games, that's tough. Do you I, think – I, I stepped out for a quick second, so for, please forgive me. Do you th- Is there any chance that after Barkley went, then the Redskins went – if they were choosing between James and Payne, they went Payne because of – I think I think so. I mean, I, I don't know how big of a, a, a deal it was to them. Not, and not necessarily – but, but it, they it, needed it anyway. They did need it. So, they needed it anyway. But I guess you kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, I mean, you, you could make the argument that it was reactionary, you know, to that pick. Um, but it, it, that's the case. I think. Well, the Eagles already have every defensive lineman in the world over there, so <laughs> they're they're good. You know, if I'm Dallas, I, I, I'm going to try to shore up my uh, my defensive front. They got a. How gotta, many games Dallas going to win next year? Witten's retiring now. Yeah, six. I mean, are, yeah, they total, are they in total rebuild? I think do you have to be right? You have to be. I mean, you have your What'd your you core. Six? Your six. core Dak, is Dak's not any good. Yeah, right, I'm sorry. Your, your core good. is Dak and and Zeke. You and have Zeke. to build around that yeah. and that offensive line. But yeah, and thank God that Witten is gone oh. because I, for 15 years he has terrorized every secondary that we've had. That I have to sit and watch Not just yours. grown men dangle off of this man as he rumbles know, down know, the field. <laughs> the most we couldn't tackle him for no, nobody. D Hall, he's taken D Hall on a few piggyback rides over the years. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think he's a Hall of Fame player, one of the greatest. I'm glad to see him go because I don't think anybody on our team can tackle so, him. By the way, so now all three, three out of the four lead analysts on TV. All time. I was going to say a lot of cowboys uh, analyzing and calling games. Aikman, Romo, Whitman. Whitman. Why was Aikman on uh, NFL Network last night? Because Fox Fox Fox. was uh, airing airing there because of the whole deal this year with the Thursday night football, which Aikman's also doing. So you're going to have cowboys on Thursday night, cowboys on Sunday night, cowboys on Sunday afternoon, (laughs) cowboys on Monday night. In addition to the fact that the cowboys have six primetime games this year. So it's going to be all cowboys all the time. It's ridiculous. It's like when you watch the college basketball coverage and 75% of the guys are dookies. It's terrible. It's so annoying. But you better win Thanksgiving this year. You better uh, win Thanksgiving this year. That's all I'm saying. You better. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You know what? I love (laughs) your question was great. Uh, Which one was that? 
unknowable, I guess, about about whether they took pain oh, because yeah, yeah, yeah. of the run stopping. But you think back to the past 15 years in the AFC East when you could very well, I mean, note the, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets, they didn't say this, but you could look at their drafts and you could tell that they were picking because of Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. They were taking sure. guys yep. to neutralize Tom Brady so they could get some wins against the Pats, so they could move up in the AFC East. And just looking at their drafts, it's undeniable. So I think that's a that's a fool's errand to go that way. But it doesn't mean that uh, it won't work out for the Redskins if indeed that happened. But, you know, as we said earlier, it was it looked like all the mocks had Vita Via going to the Redskins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when he went and they picked D tackle, it might just have been the, uh, you know, plan B going into effect immediately. Right. So so who knows? Yeah, that's how I saw it. But the Troy Aikman thing, I was like, man, I'm not ready to see your face right now. It was too oh early in the God, year. How great was it they bring him, Stallback, and Witten on stage? Oh, and he still <laughs> got booed. Good. He's supposed to. Well, you knew the boos weren't for those guys, so. No, <laughs> of course not. I mean, Goodell said as much. He's like, I can't believe you're, you know, booing Boo these, these, Hall, guys, yeah. these Hall of Famers. And, well, and Goodell he, gets booed all the time, so he's used to it. Yeah, Even when he was coming up there, like, for pick 13, oh, 14, yeah. 15, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the boos were relentless. Yeah, well, remember really? last year in Philly, he goes, come on, Philly, is that all you got? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? He's got to embrace it because that's oh, what's going to happen. I mean, didn't Stern get booed all the time? Yeah, he laughs. So, you know, you got to embrace it. It is what it is. the bank in his new private jet. Yeah. I mean, boo all you want to. Ginger Hammer. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> any uh, any, any more it? football talk, or is it time to uh, start carving those uh, tombstones for oh, both the Wizards and here Caps? Here we go. Got to take a deep breath. Go ahead. Start carving them up. Oh, for you this give one. up three goals in five minutes at home. What do you want from me? Yeah. And you know what? It should have been, and they had two very good looks. And I, I watched. I was going back and forth. You watched the hockey game? I, I watch hockey games from time to time. Okay. I watch the Caps. I have to know something. All right. Now, do I watch them all? No. No. Because, like I said, they have two halftimes, but I don't like it. They have two, two intermissions. <laughs> two intermissions. They do have two <laughs> and, full-length intermissions. And I don't yes. like that. That is a lot of time. downtime. They had two. I thought college football was bad. Yeah, they <laughs> had two very good looks. Ovi had a decent look. I mean, the net looked to be wide open. Uh, somebody else had, had a good look. They didn't go. And then Oshie had a nice wraparound. The puck was right in the crease. Unfortunately, there were like two or three Penguins there, and no caps. That, you know that was an sad, easy. That was an easy little rebound. The sad thing is, it's like they're up two nothing. So that's the third two goal lead they've blown. I at do home not get excited about playoffs. that anymore. No, and and nobody nobody today is surprised. No, nobody they do it that, all the nobody time. Nobody in that arena is surprised. And they you did know it what? last series. Whether they come, they could come back fine. Yes. Do I think this is a different Caps team? Yes. Do I think there are a lot of young guys on here that don't? Don't don't know about all this yet, right. but you have to hope that the veterans They're don't let it get mental, you yeah. know, mental there, and they they can beat the Penguins, sure. But it's just like at some point, and it's the same, you know. I don't like them playing at home. Again. No, well, the day apparently don't like playing at home either. Seriously, because they did the same thing last series. Them going up one goal, two goals, it means absolutely nothing to me because they're going to cough it right back up, especially if it's early. Them getting up early is terrible, and 17 seconds in. Oh, I'm like, no, I'm not going to celebrate that at all because they're going to call oh, something. No. Yeah. This, is, this is not going to end well. You know who watched the whole game last night? Chris Chase, didn't you, Chris? <laughs> all game, all the pregame, all the postgame. <laughs> at what Look, point did you text me and say, what, what was it? What point was it? At th- right when it was 3-2, I said I laughed out loud so loud that I woke my wife up upstairs <laughs> because I was just hardly chucking. I'm not rooting against the Caps. But I do enjoy watching the human condition play out on, uh, you know, in, in all sport. And so watching the Caps is a keen insight into it. And look, you know, reading the reading the uh, paper this morning, which I still do. I still read the Dead Tree edition wow. of the newspaper uh, of, you know, the, the nation's uh, democ- democracy dies in darkness newspaper. <laughs> You're the one uh, who does that. <laughs> but, you know, to 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 read this morning and to read in the lead up, there's so much talk about. What George said, that these guys are young and they don't know the history of the Caps. And that's all very true. I mean, to say that because they lost the triple overtime game to the Islanders in 1987, that they're going to lose to the Penguins in game two in 2018 is preposterous. But I guarantee you, every single player, when they come out for game two, is going to feel the pressure in that arena, which has been silent 
for the first round of the playoffs and was silent for you know the first part of last night and then the last part of last night as well. So they they have to feel the pressure. Ovechkin is doing what he can, uh, but as he's shown through his whole career, there's only so much he can do. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the the other thing is that the, the home ice is so irrelevant. It was the lead in so many stories today. They talked about it last night. George said it. He's right. It's better to, for the Caps not to have the home ice. It's the same as the Redskins. They, they don't perform well at home in these games. No. So get them on the road. Uh, home ice in hockey is irrelevant anyway. It's it's almost like they statistically won three games neg- in negligible. Right. right? They so, won three games in Columbus. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. yeah dropped right. Them, so, you dropped yes, them all it, at home, it, didn't it? It doesn't matter. That is in contrast the first two. Yeah. That's in contrast to the Wizards who win at home. Wizards eight no eight no in the la- eight, yeah. Wizards and and Warriors the only two teams that have have won their all their home games in the playoffs last a, two a, years. A bad time to be a DC fan because you we could get two letdowns like bang bang back to back and then you know that the Nets are well, coming with disappointment. You thought the two letdowns were coming point. last week at least. <laughs> you thought the two letdowns were coming when both were down 0-2. Yeah. Well, the Wizards could very well be put out of their misery tonight. I have a feeling they lose tonight. Really? I got. I, I do. I. I'm like. I'm fifty fifty. It. It depends. And then I'm. That's probably that what the odds are. Auto. Auto Porter. They're yeah. only a point and a half favorite. Auto Porter might not. He's. He's iffy to play. Let me throw something out to you. We're gonna change gears. You ready? All right. Otto and Kelly Oubre for Kawhi Leonard. Would you do it? Oh, I don't want to let uh, Oubre go. Can we do Otto and somebody? I'll, Take Gortat and Mahini and the rest <laughs> and and the rest of the bench. <laughs> I'll do that. I don't Chris, want. What do you think? I don't want to let go of Ubre. It was oh, floated I'm to me I'll the take, other day. Did I'll we take it. Absolutely. We, talk, we didn't talk about this, right? No. You and I. No. This was floated to me the other day. I said, "Oh, I like that." Gortat has got to get out of here. Well, he's done, isn't he? Is he a more? No, year I think left? he's got one more year. But he's got to go now. <clears throat> he, he's a. What we need to do, and I don't know why we we keep these fossils of sinners. Because there is no well, there's no center there is anymore. no center anymore. Yeah. Gortat's even basically w- said it. We're one of the only teams that have the old traditional, you know, center. Mahinmi is the same way. We don't have the athletic center that can play four, and five, and three. Of, both cost you a lot of money. Costing you a boatload of money for for what? <clears throat> for him to disappear at times. Sometimes he's on. This offseason is going to be – if they don't get past this round – And which, he whines all the damn This offseason is going to be interesting because you have to make – there has to be a, at least one drastic move, I think. But what are you going to do? Because Ernie has got us tied up in all these, this money, and it, he's, they're hamstrung in terms of – they're going to have to make some trades because they can't do anything in free agency because they have no money. You still – Ubre, I don't, I don't buy I mean, that he's young anymore. No. No. He's he's got to he's got to become more consistent. Yeah. And Otto, brother, you making a hundred mil? What are you doing? It's unbelievable. A hundred million dollars? You, you no, you cannot float in and out of a season. You can't have a a a, a game where you don't attempt a three in a playoffs. Yeah. You can't. And this team is not, you know, doesn't have a bunch of shooters. We need you to shoot. Mike, where was we Mike need Scott? you to shoot threes. Where was Mike Scott last game? I don't. Well, Mike Scott comes off the bench, and Mike's been playing. I'm not going to get on him. He's been playing well for the majority of the series, but you know he comes and goes. You don't have Meeks, and a shout out to, to Ty Lawson who was really holding it down. His eight thousand mile trip. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> really been holding it down. And I've noticed he gets he got in last game before Sato. Yeah. Which was interesting oh, yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a guy that just got to the team. He's trusting Ty Lawson. He's playing minutes. He is. He's playing big minutes. But I'd rather him play big minutes than Frazier or, or Sessions. Now, but the fact that he got in before before uh, Sato was interesting because he, he's only been on he's only been on the team for like five minutes. I sure wish they would at least get to LeBron and the Cavaliers. I know if they get to that stage, then they're done. But I, I sure wish they'd hang around a, a couple more weekends. So you you want them to play Cleveland? Well, I just want them to bring get, on the paces. I, I, I just want them to. <laughs> Well, you think Let's the go pace, Pacers? I, I, well, uh, that brings us to whether the Pacers are going to get it done tonight. Because I that, don't know. It, it's going to take. It's so hard to close Cleveland out because LeBron just puts everybody on his back, right? Right, and just wills them to win games. Oladipo is a, is a very good young player, but he's not there yet. They got a lot of young guys, but they don't have anyone to counteract what LeBron does. You have to have a Westbrook or a Harden type of player 
that can just or Durant, whoever you want to choose that can just take the game over because you got to match that. You know, the rest of Cleveland, Kevin Love could be 0 for 20. You know, J.R. Reed could be, you know, what I call him, J.R. Reed? You did. <laughs> J.R. Smith could be 0 for 10 from three-point line, but LeBron will find a way to put everybody on his back and get them to get them to a W somehow. Okay, hot take alert here. This season, this the next six weeks for LeBron – are the biggest of his career in that if he somehow takes the Cavs to the finals. Okay. He's out. And somehow manages to win the finals. Let's say Golden State's banged up. Let's say they let's say Curry doesn't get healthy. Let's say they don't even make it out of the West. Uh, LeBron has a couple games where he, he did what he did in game five of the Pacers series and just LeBron's it out. If that happens, LeBron is now considered – Better than Jordan. Oh Lord, I am a I'm an MJ guy, but yeah. I don't think I don't think there'd be any doubt uh, because Jordan never had to do this. Jordan never carried a team on his back, and now yes, that is a uh, you know in that case he's a victim of circumstance because mm-hmm. he didn't need to because maybe he made the players around him better or maybe Scottie Pippen was that good alone and and he just complimented what Jordan did but this will be such a big moment in legacy LeBron uh, that it's just it's fascinating i mean you look back to 2009 uh, to, or 2010 i guess when when he lost that when they lost to the Celtics and he walked off the court and you just knew he wasn't going to play in Cleveland the next year and that was a legacy changing moment. He went to Miami. He did the mercenary thing. He got those two titles, came back to Cleveland and, you know, did what he uh, meant to do when he came back to Cleveland. He won a title. Mm-hmm. This would be something completely different. And the fact that he's doing this at his age, what is he? Is he 35 right now? 35. Is that old? Is he? I, hold on. I'm, I'm Googling this right now. LeBron is okay, 33. He'll be 34 okay. uh, at, at the start of next season. You got a lot so, of miles on him. All those miles, all those Olympics, all those yeah. extra seasons basically played in the playoffs. If he is able to keep playing at this high level, then I think it becomes an argument. And it's going to be one of those things where, you know, all the MJ people, of which I am, will say six titles is mm. better than four. Uh, at some point, that becomes, uh, um, you know, only a secondary or tertiary uh, factor in evaluating these guys. This would be the most impressive thing LeBron's done in his life. So uh, I, I think it'll be fascinating. Yeah, but I think he's going to follow that up with something that people are going to make an argument about. Because if they do win the title this year, he's out of there. He's gone. I think so. He's gone to LA. I have a feeling he's gone either way. What do you think? I, mean, I, I do well, too. So, I, I think mean, he's so out of there. He's, so is he going either way then? Because I, I think mean, so. Do you think he's gone either way? I think he's gone either way. Chris? I think if he, I think if he wins, it's hard to leave. I don't think so. If he wins, if he if leaves he after wins, winning this. Say, Look, I gave you two. I'm out of here. I'm going to oh, make I, movies I, in L.A. I'm out of here. I fully totally agree with you. They'll still <laughs> rip him, but yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll still, see, that's what I'm saying. Because they'll say Jordan did it with one team. He, You know, all this. Yeah. He didn't go and to play with superstars. And you're always going to have your MJ guys. I mean, yeah, I'm with it, Chris. Like, that, I'm an MJ guy, too. That's going to be an argument, and that's fine. But I, I think. It's a hot take. I think, I like I think he's ready to go to L.A. Paul George, he's already packed his bags. I know. Paul George, poor Paul. He looked like he's just ready to go. But but the reality with pro athletes and the amount of money they have is they can, like LeBron could play for the Cavs but live in L.A. the rest of the year or even fly home, you know, if that kind of thing. I mean, couldn't he? And that way you preserve your legacy in Ohio, in, in uh, Cleveland, but you could do your movie I stuff I don't and know if Hollywood can, type stuff. If the Lakers start to add Paul George type players mm-hmm. and – if Kawhi wants to get out, you know, and they magic can lure him to L.A. somehow, I think LeBron will have a hard time turning down that opportunity. Possibly. I think I think he sees those players like, hmm, I could, I, could time do over there. I could <laughs> yeah. do this again. It's out, yeah. And then, like Chris was saying about his age and his mileage, he's also looking at it like, you know what? If I go play with Paul George and Lonzo Ball and Kawhi or whoever they, they might add – I don't have to do all the heavy lifting. Yeah, and that's probably what Paul, what Paul George did. He got traded over there, but that's why he probably went to Miami. He's like, you know what? With Wade and Bosch, I don't have to do everything. In Cleveland, he's got to do it all. Yeah. So if he sees the opportunity to 
preserve himself, not have to put everybody on his shoulders night in and night out and play with some stars over in L.A. or whoever it may be. I'm just throwing L.A. out there. I think he takes that opportunity. What you say yeah. makes pretty good sense. I don't know if he can resist that. Yeah, it's just, you know, I agree with everything that Jamal just said, and it seems like a no-brainer. There's just two things that about the L.A. thing that just kind of sit wrong with me in terms of predicting that, that, he, that he'll go there. Mm. It, it's too perfect. Everyone's been talking about yeah. it for two years. Yeah, uh, it just seems like it's setting up so perfectly for it that it almost will have to be a letdown, especially now that Paul George is clearly gone from Oklahoma City after they flamed out yeah. of the playoffs. I mean, he's, he's totally gone. He he's is checked out. Everyone thinks he's going to L.A. because it's yeah. his home and that's where he's wanted to go. Uh, it, and the other thing is, you know, my hot take there about LeBron, you know, over MJ that's not going to happen because they're not going to win the title no. because even if the Cavs somehow get out of the East, they're still going to lose to whoever comes out of the mm-hmm. West. They're going to expend so much energy coming out of the East that mm-hmm. it's in the finals are going to be done. And LeBron, yeah, as great as he is, he can't will a team to a title just single handedly. But if they did win the title, I just it's so hard to imagine someone leaving after t- winning a second title in in a spot he's just because he, yeah, he, I agree. he wants it'd be, to take it'd mileage. Be really, it'd be, but I, since I, he's done it though, he doesn't. Yeah, I don't think he cares. But he, no, he, but he hadn't care. won a title before. No, he That's didn't. True, he did. He went right. to get one. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. right. He could he could say even if he doesn't win another title in Cleveland, he brought them one. That's what he said he was going to do. Yeah, and he he, he the debt is paid in full. I don't think he owes them anything. I mean, it's up to him if he wants to stay. That's fine. I'm just saying the other opportunities, you know, sometimes the grass looks greener on the other side. Yeah. What about the Rockets? What about Houston? Could you put him with, with uh, would, would he roll over there with uh, Harden and Paul? Uh, seems weird. That'd Paul? be tough. To, that'd that'd be, be weird, huh? I don't need enough basketballs there. <laughs> I, I think more impressive than what LeBron James has done is what Chris Chase has done, which is unleash a hot take and then put it right back in the bottle. In the span of like five minutes, he's like, "Well, first he's going to win the title, and then he's going to be better but than MJ." But that's happen. not going to happen. <laughs> but you know, that's that MJ, that, that's a slippery slope. Once, yeah. well, that's a wormhole. Once you go down, it, it's it's hard to get out of that. Once you start debating <laughs> LeBron and MJ, we we probably be here till twelve o'clock midnight. I like talking that. Here's another hot take. If Uh-oh. LeBron plays quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, yeah, he wins four Super Bowls. He'll be better than Tom Brady. There you go. Well, he'll at least be better than Joe Montana. What if LeBron goes play baseball? We'd be better with Jordan then if he hits more home runs than Jordan. <laughs> well, that, that wouldn't take much. Oh, Tebow, he and Tebow. There you go. All right, now we've officially gone off. The yeah, we, it's we, time we, to go. Well, um, you know what? That's that's what we do. We, we get right. off the rails. I, I did want to finish up with a little, uh, you know, back to Washington sports. Uh, sort of a: Is it better to have loved and lost? than never to have loved at all. Is it better that we make the playoffs in most of our pro teams and then suffer, or uh, would we mm. rather just uh, flame out at the end of the regular season? I think it's – you know what? I don't I don't know. That That's hard because, you know, you, you're used to them getting there now where you get spoiled. I mean, ask the Cleveland – not Cleveland. Ask Cincinnati Bengals would they like to win a playoff game. They're always there. They don't win. But it's a special kind of hell or purgatory. It is. And I, it's it's – you know, it's it's the kind of question, would you rather be shot in your arm or your leg? <laughs> it's, it's painful either way. It just depends on which, what, what do you want? Which way yeah, do you want? For me, I'm like, for me, it's either all or nothing. You got to win championships. It's all about championships. Yeah. Nobody nobody remembers anything else. Either you're, you're, lo- you're not making the playoffs, you're losing the playoffs. For me, it's the same thing. You don't finish on top. Yeah, just yeah I mean, I, I think there's – I'm sort of in the middle ground on this one because – in some sports, I believe that the journey can be better, can be as good as the reward. I think baseball is like that. You, mm-hmm. you spend every day with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even if the Nats lose in game five because of you know four Matt Wieters uh, mistakes in, in the bottom of the eighth inning of a top of the eighth inning of, of a game five, you still had that journey and it was still a good time. I mean, I was at game two last year when uh, Bryce and Zimmerman hit that homer. And that's still just an unbelievable memory. Uh, Vikings fans last year, remembering the Stefan Diggs catch to beat the saints in the, in the divisional playoff. That's something that is always going to be, you know, on those DVRs of the Viking fans. They'll forget about the loss to the Eagles. Yeah, you're right. Hockey, though, I think I think for, I think for the caps, not necessarily hockey for the Washington capitals, the journey does not matter. 
the only thing that yeah. matters yeah. is uh, is the destination. Mm-hmm. And if they don't get to the destination, and that's not even conference finals, people will say, oh, they got to the conference finals, then Trot should stay and they're great. No, they need to go to the Stanley Cup final and they need to contend. And if that doesn't happen, then no, I don't think any of it was worth it. And I think you'll see more and more Caps fans start to become you know, ambivalent in the regular season because what does it matter if there's not going to be uh, the reward at the end or even not even a reward at the end? Not a crushing soul, you know, soul crushing heartbreak like the Caps always give us. So it's I think it depends on the situation. But the Nats are getting there. The Nats are almost to the point where if they make the playoffs and lose again. But hey, maybe that's best case scenario at this point with the Nats. Let me say this. Since we are talking about winning in, you know, DMV sports. And this is something that no one talks about. The Washington uh, castles are the most winningest organization in this area, <laughs> and no one talks about them. How many did they won? Like five straight titles, something yeah. crazy. Well, like you know why? I, I know why nobody talks about them, but I, I've showed them some love. I mean, we're talking about people that lose all the time. Let's throw some winners in there. Give them a little bit of shine. They most do people don't know the who the hell I'm talking about. But <laughs> hey, tennis, I'm all in. Okay, you know what? I want to stop by one of those uh, one of those castles. We'll get Mark Hines here to come on the podcast. Wonderful. He's been here before. Yeah, he lo- he loves it. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'll before. get him. We'll get him in here. He Castles are great. I mean, he'll it's, probably it's, come it's, in. Uh, c- you know, Castles is like minor league Somebody baseball. Had him downstairs the other week. Ex- except you get to see big stars. Uh, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm a tennis see, guy, and you know, I, Venus I can't, and Serena I can't and, recommend you know. Castles enough. It's great. It's, it's not like an advertisement. Yeah. It's great for the family. You know, for in July after Wimbledon, they come in for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's too bad they had to leave the waterfront a couple of years yeah. ago. Uh, George and I enjoyed some of those uh, oh, seats that, once, but they? uh, they're in the Smith Center, yeah. GW. Uh, yeah, oh, really? It's yeah. a good environment. It. It's indoor. Okay. They transform the whole thing. It's great. It looks okay. great. Yeah. No, because I, I thought they were still on the waterfront outside. No. You know, I thought because they, they built doing up that whole thing. So okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I just want to throw that out there because you know the castles have been putting it down for a few they years deserve, now. They deserve the praise. And all they do is win. I wanted to sing that T-Pain song, but I'm <laughs> <laughs> not going to do that. All right. Well, good all luck right. to, to all, of, all of our teams. Let's see if they can. They've got their backs against the wall, some of them. The DMV Sports Roundtable is on Apple Podcasts, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, and WTOP's mobile app. Just tap listen. I'm Dimitri for George and Jamal and Chris Chase. Thanks for checking us out. And to all Redskins fans everywhere, God help us. <laughs> yes, yeah, so your tagline, Dimitri. Well, I, right, I don't Chris. even know if God can help us now. That's the problem. <laughs>